Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. The world has hit several climate-related milestones recently, and it's offering a glimpse of the future that scientists have warned about for decades. Floods, droughts, wildfires, and extreme heat are sweeping the globe, and the speed of their arrival has stunned some experts. At the same time, climate change is already inflicting staggering costs on the economy, and without addressing it, the tab will only grow. So today, Politico's Zach Coleman on just how bad the recent climate disasters have been, the immense financial toll, and if it's too late to make meaningful climate action. It's Tuesday, July 18th. Well, when you account for the first week of July essentially being the hottest ever recorded in modern instrumentation period, that's from the 1880s on, uh, we're looking at something pretty significant. I mean, this is a preview of what we're getting in a climate change future. We are in an El Nino year that is generally going to set records for hottest year given how much we've already warmed the planet. So every time this happens, every five to 10 years, you're going to start seeing records fall. And what we're seeing now is is also coupled with massive wildfires in Canada that's affecting not only tens of millions of acres there, but also air quality for tens of millions of people in the U.S. Midwest and on the East Coast. You're also seeing bathtub-like temperatures in waters off the Florida coast, which is going to affect aquatic life. It's going to affect fisheries. And you're also seeing any number of heat-related illnesses and deaths from these searing, scorching temperatures. Got it. And how do these events underscore how the world really isn't prepared for climate change? I think one thing that was brought to my attention from Michael Oppenheimer in a conversation we had, he's a climate science professor at Princeton University, was that these events are happening in so short succession and they're compounding, they're layered on top of each other, that communities, governments, countries, ecosystems don't have the time to recover in between events. I mean, you're seeing people in Florida who just got slammed by Hurricane Ian several months ago who are living in sheds or homes without air conditioning that are now having to endure extreme heat. And that's something that you will start to see more and more. You're seeing uh, outdoor workers who are battling this heat and also ingesting wildfire smoke that is hazardous, that people with pre-existing respiratory and heart ailments will be even greatly affected by compared to your average person. So, I mean, like this is multiple events on top of each other at all times. And it's the type of thing that scientists had been warning about that you know we we can understand about climate change, but what has happened is the onset of these events and the overlapping of them has happened much faster than even they predicted. And given that speed, which you note in your story and which you suggest there has kind of stunned some scientists, just the speed of what we're seeing, what are they telling you about that? And just whether it's, I mean, is it too late for the U.S. and global climate action to like? make a significant difference? Have we already you know, passed certain thresholds? 
Well, it's never too late to act. Think about what's happening now and what happens if we don't take action to curb emissions that are baking the planet. It's going to be even worse. So anything that one can do to reduce emissions is going to help. We already have a certain amount of warming baked into the atmosphere given how much CO2 is already there. So for the next several years, we're still going to see the world heat up, but it's about what can you still save? And there is no laying down of arms here on that. Like you have to continue to do the work. Otherwise, the stuff that we're seeing now is going to happen in even greater rapid succession. And it's going to be untenable to respond to all these events at all times. So anything that can be done now will help later. Makes sense. And you also write about the financial toll of climate change in the current moment and the costs if we continue down this path we're already on. So are government agencies adjusting to this new reality or are they still kind of in reactionary mode? Yeah, it's really challenging for local governments, for one. I mean, you you have the immediate crisis of bailing people out who might have had their homes flooded. You see enormous flooding in the northeast of the U.S., places like Vermont, where it's very rural, where all this flooding was. And the flooding is more possible because the temperatures are higher, which the atmosphere is absorbing more moisture and then releasing it all as rainfall into these very remote reaches, these valleys in this green mountain state where it's just, they don't have the emergency responders. These are these are people who are maybe local volunteer firefighters who are now having to do response to flooding. And this is challenging for local governments. And then on a federal level, you have outdated flood maps because of that dynamic I just mentioned. You have a federal emergency management agency that is having to respond to hurricane cleanup to flood disasters. And, you know, it is a a problem of reacting rather than making, you know, sometimes costly, but necessary and upfront investments on a broad scale to make communities more resilient to these disasters. Also, the developers of the Mountain Valley Pipeline asked the Supreme Court on Friday to override a lower court ruling halting construction on a final segment that runs through a national forest. And on Monday, the Supreme Court directed the Biden administration to respond to the developer's request by July 25th. That's just one day before the company's self-described deadline to begin construction or risk delaying completion of the line until spring 2024. The request comes after the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit last week issued two construction stays and lawsuits over the pipeline, for which the only major section left to build will run through the Jefferson National Forest in Virginia. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power switch and subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Chevron knows developing and deploying carbon capture and storage is a critical step in helping make progress towards global net zero, which is why we're targeting 25 million tons of CO2 per year in storage and offsets by the end of the decade. That's energy in progress. Visit chevron.com slash carbon capture.